Lindsay, I'm taking over the name of Snacker Extraordinaire today. I was munching on chickpeas. Hippies, I mean. Organic chickpea puffs from hippies. And oh they my were God. so good. What flavor? I love those. They're addicting. White cheddar, vegan white cheddar. I'm just amazed that they can make vegan cheese taste like cheese. I mean, I haven't had cheese in a very, very long time, so I don't really remember what cheese look, like tastes like. But this tastes so good. I feel like it tastes just like white cheddar. They are really good, and they do – yeah, they dupe it really well. They're mm-hmm. delish. Jealous, that's your snack. Thanks. So, gals, we're in the middle of summer Fridays. I'm so excited. So excited. Kicked it off with Memorial Day weekend, the unofficial start to summer. And now we get summer Fridays. I'm so excited. I know. So this is what I sent out to the gals this last this past weekend. So I sent to Casey and Linz. I said that we're excited to be kicking off summer Fridays for our company, and they're welcome to take off a half day or a full day every Friday from Memorial Day to Labor Day. And, you know, we have unlimited vacation, but literally none of us, including myself, (laughs) use our unlimited vacation. So I feel like it's a really good opportunity for us to use that. And really, it came about because Lindsay was telling me last week she wished she had another day of the weekend. And I was like, dude, so do I. (laughs) I was like, I wish I had another day of the weekend too because there's just things that you want to get done in life and including your passion projects or just like life things that you don't get to. And it's so beautiful out. And then I was like, okay, by next week, I'm going to figure out a way for me to take off Fridays. And then I was like, wait, why should it just be me? It should be you guys too. We should all do summer Fridays. So you guys have the option to take off half a day or a full day every Friday through Labor Day. I do feel like this is something that I've talked about often though, is that I feel like the the work day structure, I don't know when it was invented or who invented it, but I feel like it just doesn't make sense. Like only having two days to do what you want just makes no sense because for, at least for me, there's always one day that's dedicated to like organizing, going grocery shopping, doing like X, Y, and Z, all the errands, all that good stuff. And then there's another day that's like dedicated to my passion projects or like me doing like a, I don't know, like setting up a garden on my patio or like searching for furniture to like revamp my living room. I don't know. It's like side project stuff, but then you don't actually get a day of rest. I've always felt the same way. Every single Sunday that's supposed to be a day of rest, I feel like I'm always working, which I mean is different. I shouldn't be working on the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) A whole nother issue. But also I like, even if it's fun, even if it's fun work, I just never feel like I have that day of pure rest or just like pure whatever. Yeah, 100%. I think it's an American thing for sure because I feel like when you go to Europe, they just, they just honestly, I say this all the time, I'm a broken record, but they have it figured out over there. Like the work-life balance over there is just, it's so different than here. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that everyone needs to, needs to really think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it like over there, Case? They just put more of an emphasis on having like a life outside of work, you know, like it can be a Tuesday there and people are out to dinner. They're out to lunch on a lunch break, but they're like, I don't know. It's just so different. But here, if you were to go out on a Tuesday night, you can find people out to dinner, but you can only find them like no one's out past what nine or 10, you know, Mm -hmm. but they're, you know, like it's like every day is celebrated. That's kind of like the vibe you get there, which I think is awesome. Mm -hmm. And they have actually a mandatory month off. I think every Every summer, they call it like annual leave or whatever. Well, it depends which country, but should we should we consider that? <laughs> we can start with summer Fridays. Okay. <laughs> I lived in Spain, and the vibe that I got was that people just weren't in their house. They just didn't spend time in their house. They spent time in other people's houses, or they spent time out in the like town square area or at restaurants, but. People just weren't 
inside the way that we're inside. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent, Laura. I can, yeah, people just like enjoy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just such a different dynamic. They just enjoy like all the, their town and their culture. And it's really cool. So for anyone who's listening and needs the reminder, go enjoy your life and take a break when you need it because you deserve it. Oh, 100% agree with that. And Linz, you particularly have been a good reminder for me because as an entrepreneur, I don't know why I get stuck in the idea thinking that I need to work 9 to 5. Like literally, I have zero people who are telling me that I need to work 9 to 5, and yet I still feel so much pressure to make those my hours. And you've helped me a lot understand, well, if you don't get to work until – if you don't quote unquote start working until – 10 or noon, that's fine. Yeah. Like don't fight yourself, flow with yourself. Exactly. And I, so I, and I've also been learning so much more about this through human design. So my human design is a manifester. We talked about this with Nikki Braffman on one of our earlier episodes and learning about that has helped me remove the guilt so much about thinking that I need to work when everybody else is working or I should be working the hours because this is what society works. Because as a manifester, I have very, very inconsistent energy. So I'm just not someone who can chug it out and do work the same time every day. I just don't have that access to that energy. My energy is like very sudden, but very impactful. And so I go through... And it's something that I've been struggling with and I've been very honest and open about is that I struggle tremendously with hitting burnout all the time because I push myself too far and then I need to recover so much. And I think that that's truly a result of the fact that I don't have access to consistent sources of energy in my human design. And so I don't have just that go, 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 even though I like to do, do, do. And so... Figuring out how to live more in my design by also working the hours that actually make sense for me has been such a relief. And I feel like it's removed so much of the guilt from that, especially with your help lens. That's been really helpful. I think it's just important for people to also understand and get to know, like you getting to know your energy type and what works best for you. I think everyone needs to do that because, you know, I think we are trying to all live like we're the same person, but it's just not the case. So I think that that's helpful for anyone to understand. And I hope that this time in quarantine has kind of taught people that. Like, I feel like when you're home versus going into your office setting, I feel like it gives you that time to reflect. And maybe you can't ultimately make that decision for yourself if you're like, I feel like I would work better if I was working 10 hours for four days a week. Or I feel like I would work better if I was working 11 to 7 versus 9 to 5. You know, but maybe, and I hope that, like, the CEOs of the world (laughs) can actually take this, that, like, when people are empowered to create their schedule, I feel like it boosts their productivity. I have always been a fan of that, and I so agree with that. So for everyone who's not familiar with our internal structure, we have very flex schedules for all of our team. And so every member of our team is allowed to basically set their schedule as long as we know two weeks in advance so we can plan accordingly. And so every single person on our team has unlimited vacation that they can use literally if they want to take two months off to travel the world. That's what they can do because, you know, your value and your place at a company, I don't think should be influenced by how you work and when you work and when you need time off. And then what did you guys think when I sent out the message of the summer Fridays? I was pumped because I know at my last company, everyone would be like, are we getting summer Fridays? We want summer Fridays, but we never got it. So I was so excited. I think it's, it's good though, because honestly, even coming from a corporate setting, I can honestly say that Fridays in the office in the summer, you know, not a lot of people are taking off anyway or leaving early and stuff like that. And summers, it's only a short two, three months. So I'm so excited. Thank you, Laura. 
Yeah, I'm excited too. I feel like it actually really does boost productivity because it gives you something to like work for, you know? Like Mm -hmm. I'm the type of person that I feel guilty if I'm not doing my job. So like I'm the type of person who when I work from home, I, I really do have to work from home. Otherwise I feel guilty like I'm taking advantage of it. So like... I feel like I can't feel guilty and taking advantage of summer Fridays. So like it helps me to like motivate me to get like my week's worth of work done in those four days and like finish early, you know? Yeah. And it's a good feeling and it's a good treat. And I also think it's important too that, you know, you have trust in your employees. If you're going to trust them to do to be part of your company, I think it's really important to also be able to trust them to be able to work remotely or to be able to get the work done that they need, that they know that they need to get done. And that's such a, I personally think that having to have everybody in the office is really not giving them that trust. Now, if there's an issue, of course, then you can readdress things and say that maybe this isn't the best work situation for you or maybe this isn't maybe you need more structure whatever it is but I think at least extending that trust and giving them that opportunity is huge especially for people who run small businesses as we've learned it's going to cut down your costs of having office space if you have enabled remote work and so many businesses are looking more into that as we move forward too so true well, this is a long-winded intro, but I'm excited for everyone to listen to this episode. It's really good. We touched on a bunch of, a bunch of different aspects with Katie and Liv. So let's just get into the episode. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. Really good episode with them. to the Flourish We Grow Together podcast. This is Laura DeFrancesco, founder and CEO of Flourish Coworking Space and Dean Street Law. Flourish is a lush, sustainable, and inspiring space to co-work and host events in Westchester, PA, and now brought to you virtually through our online community and the We Grow Together podcast. We're truly a community of people that want to grow together and improve, so we have a lot of exciting conversations with entrepreneurs and leaders in business. Today is no exception. I'm here with my co-hosts, Lindsay and Casey. Hi, everyone. It's Lindsay, the co-founder of Flourish. And I am Casey, the community manager of Flourish. And we are so, so excited to be talking to the total epic crazy girl bosses, Katie DePaula and Liv Chapman, founder and CEO of Intergrowth Inner Glow Circle, and Liv is COO and co-founder of Inner Glow Circle. Do you gals want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, happy to. Glow and grow really uh, sound the same, right, when you're trying to get it all out. So... So exactly. And especially with the We Grow Together podcast. I know. It's (laughs) funny. Well, we always say like, glow together, grow together. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So thank you so much for having us on. And it's so excited to reconnect with you. This is Katie talking like full house here today, right? (laughs) So Liv and I are the co-founders of Inner Glow Circle, which is a coach training and leadership certification program for women entrepreneurs. We work with women who want to become life coaches, who want to become certified, legitimate life coaches, I should say. Um, And then we work with Within that and also beyond that, we work with women entrepreneurs who are not life coaches but want coaching and accountability and support. So we do both of those things. What happens is a lot of times women hire a coach and they, you know, get the experience of coaching and and taking courses and they start to realize like they actually love it so much that they want to become a coach and they want to start a coaching business. And so the company was really founded upon that. I had started my coaching business in 2013. A lot of my really early clients, Liv being one of them, were like, what is this whole coaching thing? And 
you know, I don't want you to think I'm trying to compete with you, but can I do it? Can I become a coach? And I was like, yeah, why not? Like the more the merrier, let's get this industry growing and glowing. Um, and so Liv can share her version of the story, but that was really how things got started. Yes. I, I love how every time we tell our stories, they're slightly different, but always land us in the same place. But yeah, um, I'm Liv and Katie's partner in crime and we, um, or coaching, I should say, but we train and certify life coaches and work with all types of female entrepreneurs. And it's really an amazing thing. And I know you guys are in partnership together. So you understand I, we've talked a lot when we met about, um, you know, why having a partner and being able to collaborate with other women is so important. And, you know, Katie and I have been doing this for how long has it been, Katie? Six years almost separately and then together. And, um, yeah, it's been great. Seven years, seven years. Oh my God. My math is horrible. This year. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) That's incredible though. And we met at the girl boss rally in Colorado, which was so much fun. We were out on a hike. I know it seems like a lifetime ago. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't it? What inspired you gals to go out for the retreat? I think we love a good getaway for one, and we love a good girl boss event. And gosh, I'm glad we got it in when we did. But we just wanted to go and connect and collaborate and, you know, listen to other entrepreneurs from other fields and industries and make connections and network. And I think what Katie and I found in each other when it even was just, you know, her and I and the the smaller team that we had at IGC like we found our greatest growth and possibility in collaboration and and really working together. And, you know, we've grown IGC, of course. And then we were like, you know, we need to meet other women doing other things and, you know, be able to help them and inspire them and also be able to learn from them. And so I think we just really wanted to make more connections and also go to Colorado. That was fun. It was beautiful. Yeah, it really was an experience. And how do you two complement each other in your businesses today, how do you sort of divide up, divide and conquer? I think it's like a day-to-day practice. I mean, lives like, I would say like my brain is like slightly more creative and hers is slightly more organizational, but uh, you know, the longer we work together, the more I realize like we both have strengths in all of those areas. They just look different and we can look at the same you know, document or challenge or situation and like agree on how to approach it, but, but like have different angles. Right. So I think it's hard to explain from an outsider view, but I think it's like partnership, like in, in like a good, healthy relationship or marriage where it's like, well, like we both agree that like the kids need to be taken care of and in general, how to take care of them. But I see this or I see this. And, you know, we have different eyes. Like we literally have different perspectives on things because Liv comes from a teaching and education background and, you know, come comes from having like master's degree experience. And I come from more of an entrepreneurial background and, and grew up in a very, very entrepreneurial world with my family's multi-generational business. And then moved to New York and worked in PR and consulting. And like, I have, you know, that angle. So I think that we kind of like, we'll joke that we have a shared brain, but I think like we do, we just like, it's almost like accessing different sides of the brain. Um, We don't disagree a lot. I mean, we definitely like business partnership is a partnership. So it still comes with challenges, but working by yourself comes with a lot of challenges. So it's just kind of like Liv will always say like, pick your hard, you know, like life isn't easy. Business isn't easy, but, um, if things are going to, to come with challenges, which they do, you have to decide what challenges you'd rather have. Like, would you rather have some communication challenges here and there, or would you rather feel completely isolated and alone? Like for us, like we'd rather navigate the, the communication and, as you're building a team, whether it's a team of two or a team of 20 or a team of, you know, 200 or 2000 or whatever, you're always coming up with like new systems of communication and how to collaborate in a way that's effective 
but also like moves you forward. And, you know, we, we each have our different ways of approaching things. So I think that working together for so many years at this point has probably also shaped us and, and developed us and, um, had us. This is the longest relationship I've ever been in. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, right. I mean, same. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Yeah. So what's your perspective, Liv? I mean, you really covered it. I feel like we just like complement each other in in many ways. Like Katie has such a visual eye. I have much more of an operational and I don't even know if I'd say technical, but more technical side of things. Um, Strength. And I think we have, what keeps us together is that we have the same vision, you know, and we fill in the parts that we probably couldn't do as effectively alone and wouldn't want to do as effectively alone. So I think you covered it to share the vision and, and divide and conquer. But I think we're both really good at all the things. It's just like our strengths are in certain areas. I'm curious coming from two different backgrounds. Um, Katie, I think you said PR and marketing and live for you, maybe teaching what, about those led you to want to pursue a coaching business? Um, The other day I joked with Katie that we we both apparently like to cry in small rooms, but like that's kind of the start for each of us. I mean, I was a public school teacher and I loved teaching and I loved watching people like create success and become empowered and inspired and like see potential in themselves that they hadn't seen before what I was really running up against after six years was the constraints of the public school system and the knowledge that I gained in in that I felt like so much of the power or empowerment and the the possibility to change things on a, a larger scale came through women and especially the mothers in the community. And so I started, um, pretty much like developing these curriculums and trainings and workshops for, teen girls and women. And that's like, I met, I'd met Katie somewhere in the beginning of that journey, um, by chance, truly. And, um, I didn't know that I was kind of doing coaching. And then when I hired her as my life coach, I was like, and Katie kind of told a bit of this story before, but I was like, I think that's more like what I needed to be doing. And so I hired her and she kind of helped me turn all of my ideas and such into a business. But when I said we were crying in small rooms, like the story started for me literally like crying in the storage closet of my classroom on the phone with her being like, I can't do this anymore. Like I have to find a way, um, you know, to, to use my skills in a different way. And Katie, I'll let you kind of tell your story about the crying in a small room thing. (laughs) No, we just cry in bigger rooms. I had locked myself in the office bathroom at my last, what ended up being my last job in New York city and called my dad and said like, is this really how it's supposed to be. Because at that point I was like, I had my previous job. I had like, was walking home from work crying every day. Cause my boss was like pretty mean and the environment wasn't working for me. And I, I just, I didn't feel like my gifts were being utilized. In fact, I remember her saying to me, you just don't have any hard skills. And I was like, what does that mean? Like I like Googled hard skills probably. It was like, what the heck is she talking about? Like I have so many skills and I think like I worked hard to get them. Um, but yeah, I gra- that's brutal and so off base I had, too. Yeah. And I had graduated from like a top school. I went to Vanderbilt. Like my major was in human and organizational development and my minor was in women and gender studies. And it was true that I didn't have a lot of work experience, but like she knew that when she hired me right out of college. Right. And so the the beauty of coaching and the reason I bring this story up is that like your soft skills are so celebrated and they're like, what make you a great coach? And so like, for those who are listening, who don't know what I'm talking about, like, I didn't know what I would, you know, I didn't know what this meant. Um, like hard skills are just, more organizational, operational, financial skills. And they're often more like masculine dominated and, and, and celebrated and softer skills are like listening and speaking and communication. And I was really great at all of those things. And so once I started to learn that coaching was an option for me, that like becoming a life coach was 
not only something that there were some pseudo celebrities doing, and this was like before the influencer movement really took over, but like not only was becoming a life coach, not just like a celebrity thing or like a name you could, you know, slap on and then be like able to work at Canyon Ranch or something. It was like an actual career path that allowed you to make pretty easy money if you were good and had strong soft skills. Like the entire basis of coaching is active listening and powerful questioning and direct communication. And now that's what we teach and that's how we make money and that's how our students make money and people love to pay us for our soft skills. (laughs) So the point is that like whatever boss, you know, or partner or whoever in your life has told you things about you and tried to label you, like they just don't have to be true. There's always another industry or career path or opportunity where who you are is not only enough, it's like what's needed. And I just needed to figure out what was needed for me. So to circle back, my dad was like, when I was crying in the bathroom, I got how many months before, maybe this ended up being like a year or two before Liv was like crying in the storage closet. But um, when I called my dad, he was, he basically said to me like, look, work is not easy. It will always come with challenges and there will be hard days, but it's, it's supposed to be something you enjoy. And if you can figure out what you enjoy, then it won't feel like, you know, you're, you won't be crying in the office bathroom, like praying nobody walks in, right? Like it's not supposed to be like this. And he kind of gave me this free path to pass to consider that it could go differently. He also said to me, Katie, like, cause I was like, but dad, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what my dream job is. I don't know what's going to make me really happy. And this was before I really knew about coaching or, or any of that. And I was in my early twenties and he just said, Katie, your dream job might not exist. You might have to create it. And he kind of left me there. And I was like, okay, you know, but I thought about that a lot. And eventually that led me to where I am today. And I think it's, it continues to lead me and it continues to lead both of us. Like there's times in the business that we're like, uh, we don't really like how this is going, you know, or this is harder than it should be or what's going on here. I mean, you can't deny that. There's so many people out there that'll say like, business is so fun and easy and that. And we really think that's very harmful because like we train new entrepreneurs and we train new coaches and most of them struggle during the startup phases. They struggle with their confidence. They struggle with their voice. They struggle to charge. They struggle with sales. Like, and just struggle, like they're just fumbling with it. They're trying to figure it out. Like struggle's not a bad thing. It's just part of the learning process. And there is a learning curve often. And, you know, I think like over um, promising ease can be quite harmful because it, it causes people to give up really easily when it's not so easy. But also it shouldn't be so hard, right? And what Liv will always say is like, Nah, it's going to be hard, but it gets to be fun. Is that what you would say, Liv? <laughs> um, always. <laughs> and if it's not fun, I don't want to go. <laughs> I love your guys' analogy that you guys like sitting in small rooms and crying. That's so funny. Uh, but I do think that it's actually a reality that a lot of people face. Like, I think even me out of college, you're like, oh, my gosh, you have the whole world in front of you. And there's so many like things that I can do. I just learned a bunch of stuff to go like use this out in the world. And then you're always hit with like the hardcore reality that like one, finding a job is really freaking hard. And then two, once you find a job, it's very like, okay, so do I just have to keep on climbing and climbing and climbing until I finally get to the point where like, this is what I want to actually be doing. So I'm curious if you guys have any actual tactical tools or tips that will help people who are feeling like they're not going to bed every night, feeling like filled up and they're just feeling drained. Like what would you tell them to do in order to help find their purpose? Oh, that's such a good question. I actually, I did this myself so I can totally describe the process. And so we, the, our company is called inner glow circle. And so we actually turned glow into an acronym which kind of helps us be able to communicate how to find your purpose and 
figure it out. And so we say that glow is your greatest level of want. And so one of the first things that we do is ask people like, what is your greatest level of want for yourself, your family, your community and the world, and to just kind of start free writing on that. And when I first knew that I wanted to not be a teacher anymore, I first like went and get my master's to be a principal because it like was the logical next step or what, you know, people said that I should do, like if I wanted to grow in the role. But what I started realizing was like, that was, that was not actually my greatest level of want. And I didn't know, like Katie said, like, I didn't know what the career was and I didn't even know if it was possible, but I just remember allowing myself to, I didn't know these greatest level of want questions back then, but what I would literally do is write in my journal in the morning and say like, okay, what did I like about yesterday? Even if I was in a job that I hated or you know, life wasn't going so great, I would ask myself like, okay, what parts about my life do I want to bring forward into this next version of my, you know, life and career? And, and what do I absolutely need to commit to changing like in the next 90 days? And so I really did like this audit of my life. And I was like, okay, I actually love teaching. I love, you know, these different aspects of my life. And then I was like, but I can no longer be available for this. And so I ended up with this like notebook really of like what I wanted to bring forward and what I wanted to leave behind. And then I would turn those leave behinds into like, and this was through Katie's help as my coach, honestly, like how do I move away from those things and maintain the glow or the purpose that I knew I was sort of onto, just not in the full capacity, um, you know, that I wanted to create my life around. And, you know, like, I think people have to remember, like if they can, like follow the footsteps, right. Or follow the breadcrumbs of where they've been led thus far. Like they're not totally off. Like there's part of them that wanted to go for that major or wanted to go to that school or was interested in this career. And it may not have come to fruition the way you wanted it to, but some of it, you know, some of your soul, some of your purpose led you there. And so I think it's kind of extracting what those bits are and then asking like, how can I create this in a new way? How can I, you know, embody this or, or find a job or start a business that encompasses more of the aspects of what I'm great at and what I love and leaves behind some of the pieces that I don't? Beautiful, Liv. <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> That's so incredible. And it's crazy how just like a couple of questions and, a, and like an honest self-reflection, like where that can actually take you. I know that you guys do a lot of work on mindset. So I'm curious if there's any, like, what what do you see often that people have going on in their heads that, like, you see has a true impact? And, like, how do you shift that? That's a very broad question. <laughs> um, it's broad, but it's actually, like, pretty across the board consistent. I think people just have a lot of mental chatter. I mean, I have a lot of mental chatter. It's like the greater your purpose, the greater the fear, the greater the resistance. I think sometimes the more you're meant to do something, the harder it feels to do it. I mean, it's really an interesting thing. And so I would say the biggest thing that most people deal with is just quieting the mental chatter, quieting the resistance and moving, moving forward, doing something, taking some action. I mean, usually when someone is not getting the results that they want, they're not showing up. And like, we always say like, show up for your glow up. Like if you want that next level, if you want that next level of earning, of success, of whatever, people knowing who you are, like all of it. If you want that, you have to show up for it. I mean, most people sit around and are like, why isn't anything happening? But they're not taking action. Or they're like, do, 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 doing all the things, but like they secretly hate all the things. So then it's like showing up in their marketing and it's showing up in their lives and they're posting like, book a call with me, but like they don't actually want to talk to people. Like, And most people aren't conscious of this. Like people aren't like, yeah, let me build an entire business and then have resentment against it. You know, it's just, we don't think things all the way through or feel things all the way through. And 
we make our results mean something. So like we'll ha- we work with people a lot around sales. So for example, somebody will have you know a student will like have a sales call. They won't get hired. And then they'll like make it mean all this stuff about them and all this stuff about uh, their abilities and all this stuff about, oh, I'm never going to be successful. And like they'll literally take like a break for like a month. (laughs) I remember in my early days, I would coach a lot around dating. And I remember one client of mine being like, she was like, she must have been like 40. She was like 40 and single. And like, this was the thing that she hired me to help her solve that she was 40 and single and she didn't want to be single. And like, we all know that like, it's not just about getting a partner. It's not just about like getting clients. It's about like falling in love with yourself and falling in love with your business and your work along the way. And if you don't do that inner work, you're not going to get the result. And so it just was so interesting because like this client made it all about the outside results and because she wasn't getting them fast enough, rather than pausing and wondering why and doing the inner work simultaneously and then still staying in the game, the dating game, she would like go on a date and it wouldn't go well and she'd be like, I really need to take a break. And I remember asking her one day like, do you think maybe the reason that you're single is because every time you go on a date and don't get the result that you want, you have to take this big break. It becomes this like big thing. And so a lot of the, like what we teach our students is like to not make everything such a thing and to just be in the game of business for practice. Like you're not supposed to get hired on every sales call. You're not supposed to like marry every person you go on a date with. Like, you know, it's, that's not how it works and that's not how it's supposed to work. And if we hold ourselves to that ridiculous, absurd standard, then of course we'll feel like we're failing every day. So success a lot is about defining what it is to you and then creating a plan and working the plan. Like if all I say is, you know, I want to make this much money this month, or I want to have this kind of relationship, or I want to have a baby, or I want, you know, I want, I want, I want, I want, and I don't actually map out the process to get there and look at the milestones. Like, you know, you guys have been building and, and, and physically building, but also creating a co-working space. And it's like, if every day you wake up and you're like, it's not done yet, it's not built yet. The community is not done yet. You know, like while, while you were in the process of building, you'd be so frustrated the entire time. Like we have to actually love the process. We actually have to love the build out. We have to love like the process of things being undone and the undoneness of it all. And I think that like we have, we live in such a results-based culture and a results-based world and results are important. They certainly are important. We want to be working towards something, but likely your growth is not going to become, is not going to come from getting the result. You're going to, your growth is going to come from all of the practice that happens in the process of working towards that result. So I think we have to be a little bit more reasonable with ourselves and we have to take the time to plan. That's my mindset. (laughs) I love that. That was fire. I, I just am in love with how you said that we have to take business as practice and just practice every day and just keep showing up over and over again. What has some been something that's been in your business, something that you've had to fall in love with the practice of? Wow, that's a good question. We and we say practice like everything. Like mindset work is a practice. Confidence is a practice. Like learning how to sell is a practice. And I think I would say all of those things for myself. Like I'd also say management. Like I I I found over the past few years, like management has been something that I've always thought was like hard. Like oh, I don't know how to do that. That's hard. But it's like you actually have to you know, be dedicated to it. You have to be willing to learn and grow. 
in that skill, just like any other skill. And you have to be willing to practice it and be a human and mess up sometimes. And like, I think, um, the one question that we've talked about a little bit, but that I always ask myself when things feel really hard or like challenging, or I want to quit or give up or like hide for a week is like, how do I actually make this more fun? You know? And like, I think that we've used that process a lot in business. Like, any singular task it takes to run a business over time, there's going to be days when you don't want to do it. I love training. Do I want to train every single day? Of course not. I have to get myself in the right headspace and all of that. But like if you can learn how to make it more fun, and sometimes it really requires like pausing and thinking about it. I think that's what makes it worth it because I, I don't even know what the end game is at this point. But I know for a fact that like, I love what we do. I love the thing that we're growing. And when it feels hard, I, I'm pretty much just, and that could be, like I said, any category. I literally just ask us, like, okay, if, if this is going to live in Katie's way, this means it has to be more fun. And we like literally put our heads together and we're like, I know everyone says you should launch this way or sell this way or train this way or use this platform and this. And we're like, we, like, we know when we're operating from our own you know, intuition and purpose, like it, it also includes fun and we can usually come back to ourselves and our, our business. I think that that's such cool advice. And we're actually reading the book, Super Attractor by Gabby Bernstein. And one of the things she always talks about is measuring your success by the amount of fun you're having. So I feel mm. like that's amazing that you guys kind of have that same philosophy. And I think it's so true too, because that's going to reflect in the work you are doing and that's going to attract more people to your work in general. I'm curious, what does it look like for people to work with you? Like, what is that process when you bring on clients? Yeah, it depends what program they're doing. But like our signature program is our certified uh, life coach training course to become a certified coach. And we work with students over, they have to apply for it. And when their application is accepted, they enroll for either the spring or the fall. And we work with people over a period of six months to really consciously and, um, you know, from their intuition and also really from a place of integrity, build their coaching business, which includes their skill set, all of their soft skills, also some hard skills that you need as a business owner. And then, like teach them how to coach the art of coaching. It's not a, you know, a a black or white, say this, say that thing. I mean, um, coaching is really about being in the moment with your client and knowing how to respond when they hit you with a curveball, and knowing how to dig in and, and dig deeper. And when they're putting up their resistance, knowing how to, um, still get, get deeper and deeper and deeper. And a lot of coaching now, because coaching is such a crazy unregulated industry and crazy good, but also can be crazy, not so good. Like a lot of coaching is not actually coaching. And that's one of the the things that Liv and I are most passionate about is kind of course correcting the coaching industry because coaching has a serious problem which is that a lot of people call themselves coaches who are not trained. So what happens, like the impact of that is that it gets diluted. I mean, Laura, like imagine if people could be a lawyer without having gone through law school just because, right? And 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 maybe it's wild. maybe it's not to the same degree, but maybe it is. Like because if you look at it, coaches are billing per hour what lawyers are billing per hour, if not more sometimes, right? And it's like, if you could look at it that way and say, okay, well, then there really needs to be a lot of regulation. You could also look at it as like uh, what's at stake, right? People's lives are at stake. People's finances are at stake. People's hopes and dreams and well-being and I'm not saying it's apples to apples. It's certainly not. But we can draw a comparison, right? And like, and it's just so interesting that there's an industry that's as fast growing as coaching, that's as 
kind of buzzworthy as coaching that so many people are into that's just not regulated at all. And there are organizations that are popping up like the International Coach Federation that are, are attempting to create regulation that are saying, look, we're going to have a, like, you know, standards, like they're trying to be like the bar, right. Or, or something like that. Like we're going to create standards. We're going to create ethical guidelines. We're going to create core competencies and things that need to be taught and learned. And we're going to accredit people based on that or not accredit people based on that. And, and in the early, early years of coaching, Liv and I had both gone through ICF accredited programs but decided not to get our credential because we didn't think it mattered. And now, like years later, when the industry has changed so much and people come to us all the time and like ask what the difference is or tell us stories of like coaches, something just happened the other day that like was just dumbfounding where, you know, someone actually like took our contracts and like, I, I don't want to go into it, but basically is like committing fraud and, and saying that they were certified through our program and like they weren't, right? And so it's just so fascinating. Like we have ways to protect ourselves, obviously, but the prospective client who reported this to us didn't like, thank God they had a, a icky feeling, but there's no really way, real way for that consumer to protect themselves. And so we're really interested in coaching and the growth of the coaching industry in an effort to protect consumers. And when we have students come to us and say, look, I've always wanted to be a life coach, but I have to be honest with you, I had a really bad experience with this one coach. We have to say like, we get it. We've heard that so much, right? And and so many people have bad experiences with lawyers or bad experiences with doctors or bad experiences with, you know, their med spa or like anything. I mean, that happens. And obviously there's websites like Yelp and like Google where you can, people can, can share their experiences. But in terms of any kind of legal regulation, there is none. And I don't think it will be that way forever. I think that as the industry grows, there will have to become more and more regulation. But it, it's so fascinating. And so that's such a big part of our work is making sure that our coaches are trained really, really well and that they know how to handle any kind of circumstance. Because you know, you're not going through years and years of schooling like you would be if you were becoming like even a social worker. And so we have to really get compact and teach everything we possibly can in those six months. And then we extend their support. We give them like lifetime access to our community, our pool of graduates, me and Liv, so that, you know, when anything pops up uh, uh, within the years after graduation, they have us, they have us as a resource to come too. So we really pride ourselves on, on standing out in those ways and calling calling forth the coaching industry um, in a lot of ways. And it's a really exciting time, but it's definitely also a time to be wary and really like look at who you're investing in and what you're investing in and making sure that you trust the people that you're working with. We always say that trust is the number one ingredient in any sale. And it's just so true. You guys know that working, you know, B2C direct with your consumers, they have to trust you. Yeah, that is super important. And I'm glad that you've brought light to that and are helping to work around that. What other systems and processes did you implement in your business so that it could run smoothly with and without you? Oh, <laughs> good question. Um, so I think one of, like Katie mentioned about our, our main training course is that we are accredited by the International Coach Federation. And so I think even just partnering with them in a sense of like, they have such strong regulations and curriculum guidelines and training protocols for ourselves and other trainers that we bring on, we were really forced to streamline everything from the beginning. And so when it comes to training, like you know, Katie and I had developed the curriculum. I was the head of training. I taught it, you know, for the most part, the first couple of years. 
Um, and then because of our requirements, um, based on our association with the ICF, like we have a full training manual and we have a student trainer process where they have to go through the program, graduate from the program, come on as a student trainer for six months. And so I really have to acknowledge that it was through them that we were really able to create a, a strong training program and be able to hire on trainers that followed the same protocols and guidelines and ethics and all of that pretty seamlessly. Um, and so, you know, one of the things and Katie and I have taken a lot of training and courses on is really like developing strong standard operating procedures, not just in the training department, but we've developed them now, like, you know, for all of our departments, marketing operations, the tech side of things. And, um, <laughs> you know, we have people really outline every single thing that they do and, and log it into different processes and procedures that we're then able to, you know, easily onboard and train other people. But it all started with, you know, getting the training department set up that way. And I know, you know, a lot of, I'm sure you all have experienced this and a lot of new entrepreneurs experience this. It's like, at the beginning, you're everything, you're the marketing department, the tech department, the training department, the payroll department and all of that. And, you know, slowly over the years, we've been able to really, you know, put SOPs in place in every single department and therefore be able to delegate and, you know, give outsource some of these positions with ease. And I, I don't want to say like, we're doing it perfectly, because we've messed up like a million times and had to rewrite SOPs and retrain people and shift people around into, you know, what we would call more of their glow zone. But I think having that um, foundation that really began when the ICF was like, if you want to have your training program accredited, you need to do 12 billion things. So we're like, okay, if we can do it for the training department, we can do it for the others. And, you know, it's really helped us set a strong foundation in that sense. That's great. And what do those SOPs look like? Are they Google Docs? Are they screen records? Are they screenshots? Are they... That's a good question. And I think each department is a little bit different. Like in the training department, we have Google Docs, like an actual trainer's manual. Um, and then we have a whole video library of training. So like they could watch how I, new trainers can watch a series of trainings that I've done to introduce the course and, you know, various different lessons. Um, and then, you know, the tech department, um, that's a lot of Google docs, but that's a lot of screen records, like getting into the back end of our, um, we have like a membership site, of course, where all of our curriculum is released week by week. And so she, um, you know, created this whole video library of how to update things in there and all of that. So I'd say it's a combination of both like video and Google drive folders for each department. And how do you guys invest in your own growth? We do different things based on what we need or we think we might need, um, whether it's workshops or, you know, going to events with other entrepreneurs, um, women, you know, getting involved with different groups of, of women entrepreneurs. We make sure that we're always doing our own personal work and that we have personal support in all the areas that we need. And, you know, it just kind of depends. Like it depends on where we see that our gaps are, where we, sometimes it's hiring people. Sometimes it's taking a, a workshop or a class. Sometimes it's reading a book. Sometimes it's listening to a podcast. I mean, you guys know it's like, there's so much information out there and you want to take as much in as you can. And there's only so many hours in the day and you'll get a little nugget here and you'll get another, a little nugget there. I mean, we pray a lot. We're both like spiritual people. So like, you know, if it all, if all else fails, we ask God for help I and mean, we probably should just like start there. <laughs> and, and often we do, but you know, it's a lot of learning along the way. Like it's learning on the job. And I think, like there's no process ma mapped out for being an entrepreneur. You can certainly go get an MBA, but even that doesn't prepare you for the twists and turns, the ups and downs, the COVID-19s, the, you know, I mean, it, I was like dying when like COVID started because like everyone was sending out these emails that are like, um, you know, these are unprecedented times, unprecedented times, unprecedented times. And I was like, 
oh my Lord, could everyone like stop saying that word, you know? And I was like, what does this even really mean? Like, what are people saying? And I just like for shits, like looked up the word unprecedented. Like clearly I know what it means, but like, I was like, what is the actual definition of this word? And I just was like, people are just so like, they just don't know what to do. And, and it's so interesting though, because like, when do you ever like really know what to do? Like, of course, this was this has been such a, a, a dramatic example of like navigating on the fly and pivoting and go going back to basics. But actually, Laura, I saw you posted something maybe a month ago, but it, it was on Instagram or somewhere. And um, it was something to the effect of like, here's what we're doing in our business. And you were saying that you you were basically like I think you said you had told your team like pretend we have nothing pretend we haven't launched pretend we're not x amount of months or years in or whatever and and like what would we do and what resources do we have and like if we were starting from scratch and like totally paraphrasing this is not exactly what you said so you can correct me in a second but you were like if, yeah, yeah. if we were starting from scratch what would we do how would we approach this like as a business and, and like, I don't know, Liv and I have had a lot of challenges along the way and we've been in this for quite some time now. So for us, like a lot of business has been unprecedented for us because we hadn't experienced it and we had a lot of challenges along the way. Like a big part of my story is that very soon after we launched the company, I lost my brother, you know, Liv's found out she was like a single mom, like in an afternoon two years ago. Um, or that, you know, cause she found out some stuff about her partner and like, it just, there's life is unprecedented when you get hit with a challenge, business is unprecedented, you know, you'll find out somebody's leaving that you never thought would leave. And it's like, well, shit, my head was like totally settled that this is how it was going to be, but it's not. And I, I learned this growing up in a family of entrepreneurs that like things were always being shifted around. And so to never get too comfortable and never get too settled on this is how it is, or this is how it's got to be, but like constantly be committed to innovating and creating with what you have and who you have in that moment. Amazing. And for the last question, can you share just a couple quick of your favorite resources, whether it be books or podcasts that help you sort of frame your mind or navigate through something? Oh, I will tell you that the book that I was working through when I was first trying to figure out what to do with my life was, oh my God, Katie, I'm going to forget the title. What did you have me do? The Artist Way? The Artist Way. I, I don't know why. It just it ran We talk about that book like every day. We talk about this book all the time. So The Artist Way by Julia Cameron is a really great book. Um, and it's once you learn the practice, it's just really just like a morning practice of writing. You can kind of pick it up at any time. Um, so I would definitely say that. And gosh, what other... I, I, I'm, I'm going to toss it to you, Katie. I feel like that's kind of the book that I go back to. You know, I always love my Frederick Eklund book called The Cell, which whenever I'm feeling down about sales, I like reread and get really excited about Frederick Eklund is like the realtor from Million Dollar Listing New York. <laughs> but that's like, you know. Um, I think, you know, we the way we all met was through Girlboss and through Sophia Amoruso ultimately. And I think, I do think Sophia's um, a really inspiring leader and, I have appreciated of late her honesty and um, transparency in like navigating business challenges regarding her own mental health and the challenges she's experienced and has been experiencing. And, you know, I'm really a fan of anyone who's like real. I think it's really hard to cut through the noise and bullshit in the online space so much so that it can feel so overwhelming some days. And again, like as a teacher and a leader, I get frustrated for myself and also really mainly our students, because at this point I know, like I'm like the mom in this world where like, I understand that the girls gossiping, you know, at school are just insecure or whatever. Right. And I could tell that to my daughter who I don't have yet, but this is an example. Right. So like 
in the online world, in, in the coaching space, what's so interesting is like people will share their wins so openly or they've really gotten great at this like curated vulnerability where it's like, I'll tell this really vulnerable story over and over again, but I won't give a lot of detail and it's, that's the only story I'm going to tell. And I'm going to tell it in a way that's like I'm selling you on my success story. I'm selling you on what saved me. And I mean, Liv and I are probably even guilty of this at times, but like, I think if anything, we probably overshare, (laughs) but we're really committed to honesty and truth and transparency. Like we call it the truth, truth. I started saying this like years ago, like, don't tell me the truth. Tell me like the truth, truth. Like, you know, the truth is like you made a million dollars. The truth, truth is like you almost divorced your husband in the process, or he almost divorced you because like you were losing your shit and like also writing a book on the side or whatever. Like, And it's hard because, you know, until more people are more honest, when you're honest, you sound crazy. And I think that that's like the weird challenge of like the online world and the influencer world and the coaching world. It's like no one is really being themselves. And, and, And it's impossible to because you're looking at a screen. How could you ever, right? But people truly are playing personas and they know that they're doing that. And I'm not trying to shame anyone or say that that's wrong. But my opinion is that we could get farther faster as a collective group of women if we were more honest with each other. And typically you have to pay a lot of money to be in masterminds and quote unquote safer spaces where people are truly honest And I've known a lot of people in like the coaching world and like the online marketer world that will tell, you know, I've seen like the version of their story that they tell online. And then I've been in masterminds and heard the real story. And I'm like, this is why this is so confusing to everyone because they're not telling the truth, truth. You know, they're saying they made a million dollars, but they're not saying that they spent 1.2. And this is where like people just get confused. And look, I I get it. Everybody's selling something. And we certainly are also like a proponent of our own programs and products and, and courses, but we try to be more honest and transparent. And we really believe that that's important. And so I, that, I'm such like a talker once you get me started. So there you go. But um, you brought so up. So Katie and I follow people that tell the truth. <laughs> yeah, so that's the we're summary. of my real vulnerability. And whoever is doing it, we're here for it. Thank you, Liv. Always the dot on my <laughs> sentence, the period on my sentence. Like, let me sum that up for everyone. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to tell you more. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You share where everybody can find you guys. Liv, do you want to share what you just did? Uh, oh, 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 our new assessment? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, great. I'm like, what did I do today? Um, yes, you can find us at innerglowcircle.com backslash purpose. And we have a really amazing assessment. It walks you through all of these questions to help you figure out, like if, like we talked about before, if you're kind of looking for some signs and typically people know how to answer the question so they have an idea of what their purpose is. But we have a full assessment and it gives you a very curated result as to you know, what your purpose may look like in different careers or businesses um, that kind of fall under that different archetype, if you will, and, you know, gives you some free trainings and tools to get started once you take the assessment. So that's the best place. And then I think uh, um, Instagram at inner glow circle is pretty great. If you want to get all of the day to day updates on what we're up to and, you know, different things that we have going on. Perfect. We will link that all in the show notes below. And if everyone can share with both Katie and Liv their favorite parts of the episode, what they learned, I know I learned a ton. And overall, just give them a huge, huge thank you for joining us and sharing all of their wisdom with us. Thank you, gals, so much. We really appreciate it. Thank Thank you you so much for having us. Thanks, guys. Of course.
Thank you, everyone, so much for joining us for the We Grow Together podcast. It would mean the absolute world to us if you could subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. If you do so, you'll be entered to win a free month at Flourish in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And even if you aren't local, we will give you access to all of our workshops, our social media workshop, our money management workshop, and more. So you can do that by making sure that you leave your Instagram handle in your review so that we can DM you and let you know that you've won. We announce winners every single episode. So every single week we have a winner. By this time we'll have had like I don't know, almost 20 winners, which is absolutely crazy and makes me so happy. We announce them if you're looking in the show notes and we also announce them on Instagram. And also I am beyond, beyond grateful for the reviews. We've gotten so many just amazing, kind-hearted ones. And that means so much to us to hear back from you guys what you're enjoying about the podcast. And if you'd like to share it with your friends, family, the world, we'd appreciate that. You can tag us on Instagram at Flourish Westchester. You can tag me, Laura, at Laura M. D. Francesco. And me, Lindsay, at Sweet Green Soul. Me, Casey, at Casey Flo. And before we sign off, I have to ask you gals. So part of the Summer Fridays initiative that we kicked off, we I'm sending out to you guys some surprise packages. Oh my God, I'm excited. You did not need to do that. I'm excited That's too. Very sweet. I'm excited. Do you do you have any guesses? I have no idea. I literally have no idea. Does it have to do with food? Really? No idea. No food. Although food is wonderful, and I know it's the way to your heartless. <laughs> but no food. Well, I think you guys are gonna have to be surprised, but let's just say it's all in a name. Ooh. Ooh, leaving us on a cliffhanger. I guess we'll revisit <laughs> next episode. We'll let you guys know what the surprise is next episode. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. company. I'm Laura Francesco, founder and CEO of Dean Street Law. It's a corporate law firm that helps you with everything corporate law and has tons of free resources and guides on our website that you can find everything from protecting your company from liability, forming a startup, and the different types of entities, all the way to intellectual property and social media. So if you'd like some free information on the legal aspects of your business, head over to deanstreetlaw.com. And you can also find us on Instagram at Dean Street Law. We provide a lot of free information. And always feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. Thank you. Bye.